In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Yeah, I, I refuse to accept that, uh, especially the older you get. I, I refuse to accept that adage that you, you can't teach old dog new tricks. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host for today's show. Guys, I gotta tell you, I am super excited about today's guest. Now realize, this summer we're doing... Uh, six interviews with guys who've written blogs for me while I take a little break. And these are high-level guys, high-functioning guys. And and this guy is extremely passionate about excellence. He serves on our board of directors. I just can't wait for you guys to understand and learn how to find your path towards excellence. And, guys, thank you also for making the Men in the Arena podcast Spotify's number one podcast in the world for Christian men. Guys, that's because of you guys. So thank you so much. So, hey, without further ado, I'm going to bring on our guest for today, Kai Munchie. Kai serves on the Men in the Arena Board of Directors. He's a former U.S. Marine Corps Infantry and Federal Law Enforcement Officer. Kai works for the government in the field of training and education. He, he and his wife, Sherry, have been married over 20 years and live in St. Simons Island, Georgia. Kai, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you on. Hey, Jim. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's always good to see you, man, even though we're on the opposite ends of the country. Hey, Kai, right. uh, hey, our guests uh, have maybe heard a little bit about you before. You've been on the podcast uh, way back, uh, probably four years ago. But why don't you take some time and uh, tell a little bit more about who you are, uh, what makes you tick, and a little bit of your story so these guys can get some context uh, about your topic today. Awesome. Awesome, Jim. Yeah, so a couple things. I grew up in Rochester, New York with my wife, so... Both of us graduated from the same high school, didn't meet until years later, actually, about eight or nine years later. And we met in Virginia. I was coming home from, I was stationed in Hawaii at the time with the Marine Corps, and I was getting transferred to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And I had about 30 days of leave. We met during that period in Virginia. I obviously hit it off, and uh, I came back to Virginia, stationed in Quantico. We got married a year later, and that was 22 years ago. And we've got two kids. 19-year-old college sophomore and a 16-year-old high school junior. That, that's next year. She'll be a junior. Next year, my oldest will be a sophomore. So, Yeah, and that's, 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 that's cool the one. most important stuff right there. You know it. Well, and you've always been good about – you're a high flyer, but you're always good about keeping 
your priorities straight. And you know, it's interesting, Kai, I've known you probably about four years now or five. Has it been that long? I, I think you're right, Jim. I think it's been probably five years now. Yeah, Maybe we mark everything BP, AP, before pandemic, after pandemic. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the cool part about you, Kai, that I've always respected is that everything you do, whether it be how you form a sentence or how you send an email, you always do it with excellence. Excellence seems to be uh, a theme for your life. And, uh, my, and I know that you've got a Marine background and now you work for the government. What, yeah. what is it? that has made excellence such a passion for you of your it's a good question jim and i would have to say that it's a passion for me because i spent so many years being mediocre and i spent so many years oh. just kind of in a state of of, of comfort not really and, and when i say so many years this is way back when uh even before i joined the joined the military and went to the marine corps so i just spent a lot of years just wasted time thinking about what I want to do with, with life, but never really pursuing it. And so once I got a taste of, 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 of success after putting in a lot of effort, I just, you know, I, I really, it resonated with me and that's kind of how I've lived my life ever since, tried to live my life ever since. So I appreciate the, 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 the positive comments about everything I do is excellent, but what you don't see is the in-between. <laughs> The work in progress of, of getting to those those points of doing things right, if that makes no, sense. I, yeah, I totally understand you, man. I, I totally get it. So, you know, I asked you to write a blog, and I asked you to write it on any topic, and these guys should be getting this blog. Either they got it last week or they're getting it this week, and it really – Awesome. It is outstanding. Besides living the earlier parts of your life mediocre, what is it about this topic that caused you to choose it? I mean, you could have – you're a man of God. You could have chose – how to walk in humility, you know, you, how to serve others, how to read your Bible. But you chose this kind of a uh, little bit off topic in Christianity. You don't hear a lot of excellence in Christianity. What yeah. made you choose this topic of all topics? You know, I've become, I've, be, I've become more and more passionate about this topic the older I get. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if society is changing or I'm just becoming more cognizant of, of what's going on in our culture. One of, the, one of the two, but all I know is that it seems to me from my perspective that our culture is becoming more and more apathetic in, in a lot of different mm -hmm. ways. And I think the, the work ethic is something that can, can resonate with, with all of us and the decline of, it seems that like the, the American ethic, the American work ethic, excuse me, is in decline. And, and I'll yeah. give you just a yeah. real quick example. There's this, I live on St. Simon's Island in Georgia, which is a fantastic place. And there's this family owned restaurant. It's been in the business for 30 years. And every Sunday it's packed and you have to wait in line. You can't get a table for an hour, hour and a half. And my wife and I, after church this past Sunday, we went there to have lunch and doors were shut. Uh, the lights were off and there's this sign on the door from the manager and the owners actually. A long, sad letter about how apologizing for not being open. And they had every intention of opening that morning, but when they came into work, they had two or three employees that just, they just didn't show up. So this, this restaurant has been in the business for 30 years. Unfortunately, on the busiest day of the week, had to shutter their doors and they couldn't even open. You know, I'm 50 years old now. When I started working at 16, 17 years old, Someone not showing up for work 
was an anomaly. Everybody would be talking about it. And, and oh, they, yeah. that would be right. And they would get fired. They wouldn't work anymore. But it just Absolutely. seems like we we're sort of accepting that more and more in our culture. And I, and I think it's a, it's a real problem that we need to start getting honest about how to fix it. Yeah. And it's a problem uh, within Christian men as well. You know, it's really funny, buddy. I called a local pizza place, a food, a pizza chain, a pizza chain yeah. about a month ago. And, uh, or, and I said, Hey, what are your specials? And the gal lethargically said, well, I think we've got this two for one. And I go, you think, she goes, well, I won't know till I ring it up. And I go, well, I don't want to order it until you know. When can you know? Right. Well, I won't know until you order it. I go, well, it's a special, right? And you've been taking orders all day, right? Yeah. Well, how do you know? I, I mean, we went back and forth for like 10 minutes. Right, I ended up right. calling another company because this paid employee didn't know what the actual specials were. And so we are just in a real troubling time. I agree. We're in we a are. crisis. And it's it's really scary. So, but you know what? It's interesting. When I read your blog, I really enjoyed reading your blog, and I'm gonna I'm actually gonna reread it. And uh, you wrote this about excellence. You said, "quote It's not a destination. The pursuit of excellence is a journey that never ends." Can you embellish upon that? So I'll start by saying that is not my quote, but I have heard it so many times and phrased. I've, I've heard it. I've heard it so many times and phrased in so many different ways that. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you who originally wrote it. And you've probably heard it too, right? I'm assuming, yep. Jim, different places. But the best way I describe it for, for me personally and how I live my life is just use every single day as an opportunity to be a better person than you were the day before. Every single day without fail. That's that's a path of excellence. So it's never a place. If, if And I tell my, my staff this where I work all the time. I said, the day that I come into work and say, I have nothing else to learn. I'm perfect. I want you to tell me, hey, Kai, nice serving with you. Time to retire. Get out of here. Absolutely. Because that's just not how I believe God God built this. And I think scripture would, would back me up with that. So that, that's kind of how I look at it. Again, you use every day as an opportunity to be better than uh, you were the day before. It, it's acknowledging, almost convincing yourself that there's always room for improvement. One of my life verses, Kai, is Philippians 1, six that... Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Carry it on to completion. And I was reading a worship book several years ago, and they defined excellence as getting better each time, which would fall right in line with your level of excellence. And so uh, I really appreciate that. And I think think, uh, one of the things I've been working on, Kai, and actually you are one of the inspirations is, uh, we put Grammarly on my computer, and I'm working on sending emails that don't have typos. <laughs> I, hey, uh, you know, I, my, my friends are tired of seeing form when I really mean from. <laughs> so this is a, a great topic for me because I'm a guy who's a I'm a producer, yeah. and I'm I'm so I'm right. so excited about pressing that send button or getting the product done that I don't always care yeah. about excellence the way I should and. And uh, that has been problematic uh, in my ministry and life, and I'm really excited about that. And so, hey, I want to unpack a statement that I, I know you wrote it in your blog, and I know this is a, a Kai quote, uh, and it's really powerful. And I want to quote, I want to quote you here, and uh, I want to, you know, you know, kind of rip the scab off. I want you to explain what mm-hmm. you mean here, and I want you to, to unpack it a little bit further. And you said this quote: "Mediocrity leads to death." Men in our culture are becoming increasingly apathetic, 
comfortably living in a state of mediocrity, flying under the radar, satisfied with never pursuing dreams and aspiration, nothing ventured, nothing gained. It's how is that how God built us? Not even close. That is such an awesome quote. Yeah. Can you uh, dial that in a little more? Yeah, abs- absolutely. And I like using, I'm, I'm a visual learner, so I like using the example of, of how God created us in the physical sense. And, and I talk about this in that blog also. So God created our muscles to, to grow when, when the fibers are torn apart and ripped. Your muscles don't grow when you just sit and don't use them. What actually happens if you don't use them is that they atrophy. I, I tore my, my pec tendon years ago. Jim, you know the story well. I tore it completely off the bone, and I had to wear a sling for, yes. I don't know, six or seven weeks. I couldn't move my arm. When I removed the sling, I had to go through two or three months of physical therapy. But the physical therapy wasn't, wasn't for the, the pec tendon. It was actually for my shoulder muscles, my, my delts, that had completely mm-hmm. atrophied. And I had to go through weeks and weeks of, of physical therapy. So that, that, that's how God built us. I mean, he built us to grow under stress and, and grow under, under pressure. And it's the same Absolutely. thing, you know, going back to the work ethic. If you don't, and I really appreciate it, that the, the fact that you're sort of looking at, at the way you send emails and doing using Grammarly, I think that's fantastic because that just demonstrates, hey, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to improve myself in areas that I know need improvement. If you didn't do that, there'd be a significant negative consequences of it, right? I mean, people want to take you as seriously. They want to honor, they want to honor your word because if you're not going to take time to review it before you send it, why should I take time to read it? And so that is that hopefully that makes sense, you know? Uh, Well, it absolutely does. You know, it's funny because, you know, you had that pec tear and I've had a couple buddies in their fifties have pec tears lately and uh, I've got a pec thing. You know, I'm doing that 65 push-up, 1,000 push-up challenge, right? Right. Well, I injured my shoulder yeah. in September throwing some ki- friend, a friend of mine's children in the pool, you know, because I, I want to bless little kids. And so their dad wasn't a big, strong guy. Right. So I was just launching these kids. And about into launch 60, I could feel something in my – I could feel something in my right pec, my left pec shoulder area. So I'm doing this challenge, man. I can't even sleep on this arm. I'm doing this challenge, just going, okay, oh, man, I'm knocking brutal. them out. And I'm just going, to, man, am I going to, yeah. am I, is my pet going to live for six more months? What's going to happen? But what's yeah. happening through this process is everything around that area is getting stronger. Everything around it's getting stronger. Right. And so even in the midst of pain and, and even injury, yeah. the rest of the body strengthens. And this is what, you know, this is what people don't understand because we, we enter this world broken. We're all broken in some area, but we don't have to use that as a crutch. And do you see a lot of guys using their brokenness as a crutch instead yeah. of pushing through? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that's fantastic. The body, it's interesting how the body compensates like that. Yeah. When I tore my, my pec tendon, I couldn't, I couldn't do any upper body, um, any upper body workouts. And so I started walking and I would walk for, six, seven, eight, nine, working up to like 10, 11 miles a couple times a week. And, uh, my legs and my knees got a, a lot stronger, stronger than they've ever been actually. So it's, but that took effort on my part because it would have been a lot, it would have been very easy and comfortable just to sit down on the couch and not do anything. And then the bot, the body's not going to compensate automatically. Absolutely. You got to, you got to put in the work to do it. So, and, and the same thing. And cry about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, you know, and it, 
the same thing applies. Uh, I'd be remiss if I if I talk too much about the, the physical. It's easy to use physical physicality as an example and working out, but you know, marriages are the same way. My marriage, Sherry and I have got a fantastic marriage, and it's the best. Our marriage today is better than it was the day we got married. But that has taken a tremendous, yeah, tremendous amount of, of work. And, and there were periods of time when it was, I wasn't putting in the work. I'd take responsibility. I wasn't putting in the work into that marriage. And it was, in, in, in a lot of ways, it was dying. We, were, our, our, we weren't able to communicate. Our, our, the, the, the sort of the, the gap between us was growing as far as our ability to communicate. And so everything, God, God, just our relationships, our physical sense, our minds, our spirits, our spirit, everything needs work and constant attention. You know, it's really funny, man, because a similar, when I watch you and your wife interact, it's very similar to how my wife and I interact. And I just wish I could tell these young guys, marriage is so hard. It is. It is so hard. You've got to go into marriage. It's not about falling in love. It's about rising into love. Yeah. It's about growing and like love, that. and this is so important. And and if we don't have this excellence mindset, that's like I'm going to make my marriage, I'm going to make my life, I'm going to make my relationship with Jesus better each day. You know, it's funny. You'll be proud of me. Um, I've been doing this Peloton for two years, right? Mm-hmm. And last two weeks ago, I PR'd on a 30 minute Peloton ride. I mean, I PR'd, nice. and I'm not in wow. the best shape of my life right now. Yeah. And then last, and then this week, I beat, beat that PR by seven points. And so, and and I'm like, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out where it's coming from. And all I can tell you is I'm just getting on that bike every week. That's it. I'm just getting on that bike. And this is what you're talking about with excellence is just getting back up there. So, you know, you, you, yeah, yeah, well, you, you know, it's really funny because, you know, there's a phrase out there, uh, you know, and and you're 50 and I'm, I'm a substantially older than that. (laughs) There's a phrase out there that says, you know what? I'm 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 this age. Blah blah blah. You can't teach an old dog a new trick. But you say in your blog that yes, you can teach an old dog a new trick. Can you explain that antithetical statement? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I refuse to accept <laughs> that. Uh, especially the older yet, I, I refuse to accept that adage that you you, you can't teach an old dog, old dog new tricks. And I don't even know where I think that phrase has been around for centuries, actually. And, and really, what it means is that someone who is stubborn is less likely to take time to learn a new skill set or improve in an area where they're weak or insufficient. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, stubbornness mm-hmm. often comes with age because I've you know I've done something for so many years, and there haven't been too many negative consequences or maybe there have been negative consequences, but I've just sort of ignored them. And so why, why change now? And God didn't build us, built us like that either. I mean, God, I I talk about our, our our minds in the blog as, as well and how your mind is constantly growing. So even as you're, even in the physical sense, as we get weaker with age, our minds can actually grow and strengthen and, and learn new things and develop new neural pathways as we develop those skills. So yeah, I absolutely refuse to believe that an old dog can't learn new tricks. And, and that's counterintuitive to this whole idea of excellence as a journey as well. Because if excellence is a journey, absolutely, it, it shouldn't end when you hit 52 or 56 or whatever the retirement age is. Or right? when you retire. Yeah. 
So, well, you know, it's really interesting because Second Corinthians four affirms that it says, uh, Paul says, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And what he's saying is, our bodies are breaking down. Hey, you can't help it, buddy. We're dying. Right. We're all dying. We're going to die someday. You can't help your body breaking down. You can fight it and hold off as long as possible. But what you can do, God has wired the human soul to grow stronger and stronger and stronger until the day we see Jesus face to face and then continue to grow. That's how we're wired. Yeah. And if we're wired that way in our essence, shouldn't everything else around us be like that? Our relationship with our kids, our marriage. I mean, all of these things, right? And so yeah, exactly. you, you, what you do in your blog, which I really appreciate, blog, you're, you're, all, you're very pragmatic in how you do things, which I've always resonated with. And in your blog, you, you, you make these bold claims about excellence, but then you say, okay, guys, I'm going to help you. Uh, I'm going to give you the pathway to excellence. And you made it simple. You give three pathways. And so the first one, you tell the men to look inward. And I'm, I don't want to quote you here. I just want you to unpack that because mm-hmm. there's a lot to that looking inward. When you tell a man your first pathway to excellence is looking inward, what are you actually telling him? So look at yourself first. You can only control your own behaviors and, and your own, you know, your own conduct, if you will. So how many, mm-hmm. how many marriages do you know that have failed that ended in divorce where one side or the other says, well, I got divorced because I'm a complete, I screwed up. It's all, it's all me. Rarely does that happen. Maybe it happens once in a while, but more often than not, people get divorced because of you know, irreconcilable differences because neither side can, can coalesce in the, in the middle. And so one of the things yep. I learned as a, as a young Marine, even as, a, as an enlisted Marine, I learned this is that the leader is responsible for everything that the unit does or fails to do. So if I have, when I was a second lieutenant or a captain in the Marine Corps, if I had, if my platoon, my company, if they screwed something up or performed poorly in an exercise or an operation, it's not, it, it, it's not the Marines fault. It's my fault. I'm the commander. I take full responsibility for it. And so that's how we have, you have, we have to, as men look at our own lives when things are, are broken. And, and even on a bigger sense, we, 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 we like to blame society's woes on, on one, end, one end of the political spectrum or the other. And that is completely the wrong Absolutely. way to, to look at things. It, it, it's what am I doing to make society better? What am I doing to improve my marriage? What am I doing to do better at work? What am I doing to get better in, in whatever, even whatever hobby I have? It's mine. I'm in control of it. And, and so... If I don't look inward to see where it is that I need to, to, to improve, then I'm not going to improve, right? I'm not going to see, I'm not going to reap the benefits of that. Well, the key thing in your blog when you talked about looking inward is you told men, take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Take, I had a guy, I heard a guy yeah. one time say, you can delegate as a, as a leader, you can delegate everything except final responsibility. I love that quote. Right. Yeah, no, that's I, actually, I'm going to steal that. I heard you say that once and I, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can delegate everything except final responsibility. Another quote I really love that relates to your topic is when things are going great, when things are going great, look out the window, you know, point <laughs> to other people. Hey, that guy, that guy, that guy. When things yeah. are going bad, look in the mirror. And that's yeah, exactly I'm, what you're saying. 
But this goes back to a, a fundamental leadership tenet also is that when, you're, when your unit, your team succeeds, give everybody else the credit. Shower them with, with accolades and put them in the spotlight because you know, they're just going to make you look good anyway, right, if that's what you're after. But ultimately, that's what your yeah. responsibility is as a leader is to give, give credit to everybody else. No, that's well, it kind of goes back to what you said earlier in the podcast. You go to this restaurant and nobody's there, they're closed because no employees mm-hmm. showed up. Yeah, so you know, that's a reflection on the owners, but it's also a reflection indirectly on those people that think it's not a big deal. So, if those people who decided that day to not show up would look in the mirror and assess why they didn't show up and take responsibility that would get them on that first step to excellence is looking in the mirror and saying, I need, I need to grow. You know, I didn't talk about this in the, in the blog, but I think it's, it's also very important to mention is that you have to be, there, there's a, a selflessness that we have to embrace as men also. So when you don't show up to work, you may, you may have a nice day at the beach and, and enjoy your time off, but what are the effects of that? on your coworkers and, and your boss. Because those two people didn't show up to work, the, these owners had to shut their doors. And now they have no Absolutely. income for that day. And I don't know, personally, I don't know how someone can accept that and look in the mirror and say, I did the right thing today. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, and it's so important to, absolutely, because like you and I and, and, and other guys that we know, you're, we're always on a growth journey. And when our marriage mm-hmm. is great, that's great. Where else can we grow? Where can we grow physically? Where can we grow spiritually? Where can we grow mentally? Where can we grow? Right now, I'm working on growing in the area of craftsmanship. How can I grow in that area? I, I'm weak in that area. How can I do that? You know, how, you know. last year, I, I wanted to grow in the aspect of how do I understand money? Because I really don't care about money. So how do I understand how money works? So try and understand that stuff. And so these are all things that are important. But, you know, it's really interesting. When I when I roll into your second pathway, mm-hmm. at first it, I went, man, this sounds weird because a lot of guys I know who get so f- stuck on excellence, a lot of times what happens is they hamstring themselves into passivity because they're unwilling to act until everything is perfect. Yeah, And you never defined excellence as perfection. You defined excellence as growing each time better. And so your second pathway began to really fit more once I understood that. Because you said this, and I'm going to quote you. Reality only becomes reality when we put in the work. It may be mentally and physically exhausting, but remember that God built us to grow and thrive under pressure. And so Mm -hmm. your second point, I'm going to let you unpack this, is stop thinking and do. Yeah. One of my favorite passages from scripture in, in the book of James is don't just be hearers of the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And it's in that action mm-hmm. is where you see the blessings. And it's in that action where you see the growth. And, and, and I've been there before and I still am in a lot of, in a lot of different aspects. And I have to fight against it. That the, the urge to hesitate to take that first step. I'll look at my own career. So I've been in public service for going on almost 30 years now. And so at some point that chapter is going to close and I'm going to have to do something else. And it's, it can be a scary thing to completely change mm-hmm. course in, in, in one's career. Right. And so it's, 
because you get comfortable in doing you get you comfortable in doing what you know and what you're good at. But if you really want to achieve big things, and, and I know this from my own my own personal life, you've got to dream big, but you've got to take that first step. Take yep. that first step towards that objective. Because if you don't take that first step, you're never going to reach that objective. And so whatever it takes, and everybody's different, but whatever it takes to get over that fear, you've got to do it. Pray through it. And when I think we'll, we'll, we need to talk about accountability too, because that's a big piece of that. And that's not something I talked about in the blog. But one of the best ways to get over that hesitation is to make yourself accountable to somebody else. So share your objectives, share your goals with someone in your close circle, and then give them permission to hold you accountable to meet those goals. Um, my wife is, is, is great at that. I've told her, I told her years ago, hey, I really want to write a, a book. And, and so every so often she reminds me, she says, hey, how's that book coming? You know? And, and how are you doing with it? Where are you at with it? And, and that's, what, that's what guys need, whether it's from their spouse or small groups or virtual teams, whatever it is. I've got 10 books, titles on a piece of paper I'm going to write in the future. Just pick one, man, me and you. I'll share, I'll share the authorship. Yeah. Let's do it. it. Let's do you it. Can, you know what you can do? You can write a book on excellence. Write a book on excellence and make me your lab rat. <laughs> <laughs> so I love this, Kai. So, so first thing I need to do is I need to look inward and take responsibility. Second thing I need to do is I need to stop thinking and at some point, I just need to do it. I need to do that first yeah. push-up. You know, when we did that push-up challenge, you you inspired that because you had done a push-up challenge, you and a guy named Rod Hanley. And, uh, you know, I thought, oh, man, 65,000 push-ups. My arm's been hurting me. It was hurting me since September. So here's January. I got to do 50,000 or 65,000 push-ups. So I just put it out there on Insta- Instagram, Facebook. We had 385 guys said, I'll do that with you. Yeah. So now every time I get down to do my push-ups, by the way, I've done them all today. I'm thinking I've got a lot of guys depending on me to knock these out. So there's there an accountability go. there that's really Absolutely. important. So, so first thing I need to do is I need to I need to take I need to look inward, right? Second thing I need to do is I need to stop thinking and do. So so the third point, and this is interesting because we're talking about sometimes a long a long haul, maybe years to accomplish. You talk about embracing a sense of urgency. What do you mean by that? So life is life is short and it's unpredictable. And God prom- God doesn't promise us a, a specific number of days. He only promises that every day, if we believe in him, if we follow him, every day can be full and rewarding. That's what he promises. But he doesn't promise us a certain number of days. And, and, and all of us have been in situations, whether it's with family or close friends, where life has been cut short, way too short. And... When I look at, I'll use the example of relationships with my relationship with my wife, for example. Do we have our days when we, we argue or we have disagreements? Absolutely. But I, I, have, I have decided that I will never allow a day to pass being angry at my wife. I'll, I'll never go to bed angry. And I will tell mm-hmm. my wife every single day, I love you. Before I go to work, I love you. I'll text her. When I get yep, to work, me too. Because I don't want the if God forbid something happens, if I crash over the causeway on my way home to St. Simon's Island, and I was in an argument with my wife, I don't want that to be the last thing that she remembers, right? Or 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 for her to then suffer thinking, what did I do wrong in that situation? What, how could I have avoided that disagreement or that argument? 
And so that, that's sort of the, the macabre, the dark aspect of, of living with a sense of urgency. But it's, life, is, life can be fun if you, if you live with a sense of urgency and you're constantly pushing yourself to learn new things and do new things and get out there and not sit on the couch. Um, I love paddleboarding. I absolutely love paddleboarding. And I, I learned that down here. I didn't know how to didn't really have any balance before in that sort of on water sports before I moved down here, but I kept working at it. And now I'm, you know, I'm pretty good when I get out in the water and it's fantastic. And so if it's a nice day out, I'll get out there. If I don't have any home commitments, I'll, I'll get out there on the water and, and enjoy paddleboarding because who knows, I could break my leg the next day and be out of commission for six months and not be able to do it. So that's a big, that's a huge, that sense of urgency, I think really ties into all those other things. And if we live with that sense of urgency and, and it's not to live with this, sense of anxiety, like I have got to get stuff done because if I don't do Absolutely. it, I'm not going to be able to do it. It, it that, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is live with this sort of constantly anticipating and, 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 uh, well, that's not the right word, but you know, this, this, this sense of urgency that if I don't do this, I'm going to be missing out on something, something great. And ho- hopefully I distinguish between urgency and anxiety no no i think that's really important there's a difference between urgency and anxiety anxiety is a fear of something that may or may not ever happen urgency is realizing it's anxiety is a negative it's negative you're 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 experiencing uh physiological stress based on some unknown urgency to me is you know something is pending and you need to take care of it because you it's imminent Right. Uh, we know that death is imminent. We know that Saturday is imminent, you yeah. know. And so when we see that pending urgency, we need to act accordingly. And I agree. You know, here's an example, Kai. So I was with my uh, um, I was with a relative this weekend and uh, the relative is younger than me. The relative is smaller than me. But the relative said, I'm done hunting. I'm just going to fish from now on. I go, why? And he said, well, I'm just too old and beat up for that. And I'm like, you know what? I am gonna I am gonna fight that until the day I die. I'm gonna yeah. fight that. I'm gonna work out. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put fluids into my joints. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna exercise, get blood flowing. I'm gonna I'm gonna push through the pain. I'm gonna do whatever because I've got I've got younger sons who want to keep hunting with their old man and want to do stuff. And so it's important for us to realize there is a sense of urgency. There will be a day when we there can't is. do some of these things anymore. You yeah. Know? And and the, your daughters are leaving the house. Right. right. You've got a sense of urgency. You've got Sierra or you've got your daughter getting ready to graduate. Yeah. You know, that's a great. Th- so I was just about you read my mind because I was just about to use fatherhood as an example. We have a, a finite, finite amount of time as dads with our kids. And I've got great relationships with both my kids, but they're, they're very different. And with my oldest, I, I traveled so much that I didn't really spend a lot of time when she was growing up one on one. And so with my youngest, I'm able to do that now because I have a little bit more of a flexible schedule. So I have this standing date with her every Thursday where every Thursday we did it this morning. I'll go to school. She drives now. So we drive separate cars, but we'll go to this little coffee shop near her school and we'll just sit and we'll talk. And I listen if she wants to talk about something um, significant or something, you know, that's on her mind. I'll do that. If not, we'll just sit there and, and just hang out with each other laughing. And we've done that every Thursday now for the past four years. And and it's gotten to the point now where she expects it. She'll tell me the night before, hey, dad, we're going to Daddy Kate's tomorrow, right? I'm like, absolutely. Why wouldn't we? And so 
that's that sense of urgency too, right? I have a, I have a finite amount of time with that kid in my house, and I'm not going to waste it. Well, you know, it's interesting, Kai. We get uh, I get books in the mail every week from authors that want me to bring them on the show, and one of the books that's sitting on my um, table, and it's I think the title is the Family Board Meeting, and the subtitle just rocked my world. It says you only have 18 summers with your kids. Oof! Wow. <laughs> Wow. Just, you don't think about that. You only have 18 summers with your kids. And so I think the book is about making those summers work. And uh, yeah. there is a sense of urgency there, you know? Absolutely. So, uh, man, I really be. appreciate this time, Kai, together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, sh- we should operate. I mean, I'm not operating with a sense of urgency when I'm binge watching Netflix, right? That's exactly that's right. That's not Priorities. what we're talking that's about. Right. We're talking about. Yeah. So that's so good, man. So I really appreciate your three points to pathways to success here, to excellence. Look inward and take responsibility. Stop thinking and just do and embrace a sense of urgency. Anything else you want to say in closing, Kai? No, I think we I think we hit everything, Jim. And that just to reiterate on that accountability, if guys, if, if you are not in a small group, you need to get in one and you need to get in one fast because that accountability is absolutely critical for, for your growth and, and every and not only with your walk with, with God, but also in every aspect of your life, with your marriage, with your, your work, everything. So that's a critical piece. Yeah, I don't know why guys are so resistant to that. It's such a vital part of growing uh, as our best, most excellent version is to get around other men that are calling us out calling us up and calling us in. So Kai, yeah. you're one of those guys for me. I appreciate that. Uh, so guy, Kai, thanks so much for coming on our show and taking your time. Guys, what are you going to do on your pathway to excellence? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify one area of your life where you can grow and focus on that area. Grow in excellence. Guys, make sure you head on over to menarena.org. Grab your free copy of my book. Tell them what great fathers tell their sons and daughters. And listen to what Kai said earlier. Go to our homepage, click the join our program button, get involved in one of our virtual teams now. You will not regret it. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.